Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today, we have an amazing guest joining us. He's a trailblazer, a leader, an advocate for women's racing events. He's dedicated himself to coaching young athletes into champions of tomorrow. He's an influencer who inspires and motivates others to push their limits. Please welcome the founder and event director of Mermaid Services, Carlo Franchino. Welcome, Carlo. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's uh, awesome to have you on the show. So we love to focus on endurance leadership on our podcast. And my leading question, my favorite question to ask my guest is, Carlo, tell me about how your endurance mindset has impacted your life unexpectedly. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, kind of that endurance mindset is sort of visualizing a goal, um, visualizing something that you're working towards, and then kind of building that foundation, kind of putting together the building blocks, like along a path to be able to achieve that. Um, and so that endurance mindset really, when you, when you kind of break it down in those sort of building blocks, getting you to that goal that you visualize really allows you to achieve kind of a lot of big, big things, big picture things in your life. Um, so I think that endurance mindset has really sort of from a young age, been able to, for me, like accomplish little things along the way. And then by, you know, years and years of doing little things, it turns into bigger things. Um, and then allows you to do quite a bit uh, that you that you want to set your mind to, whether it's a physical goal, whether it's a business goal, personal goal, relationship goal, um, all those things. You know, it's it's sort of building your toolbox and toolbox of experiences to then be able to accomplish that and have the confidence to really go through and and know that you know whatever situation changes along the way you're prepared for because you've got this, you know, sort of really solid foundation where you've experienced hardship, you've experienced challenges, you, you've worked your way through it. And then now you're, you know, moving on to kind of continuing towards your, your goal that you've set for yourself. So that endurance mindset, you know, really it, it starts out with sort of visualizing your goal, building a foundation, um, achieving goals along the way. And then being able to um, achieve things that, you know, the, the bigger picture. You mentioned, Carlo, at a young age, you've, ex you've started experiencing this endurance mindset at a young age. Can you think back to when, like, give us a story of when you were younger and something was in front of you and, and you applied sort of like your first baby steps in this endurance mindset? For a lot of us, endurance is very athletic and sports minded. Um, it doesn't have to be, I think there's a lot of things, you know, I, lo I looked up the word endurance and, and kind of the, the meaning my dad would be proud cause he, he studied Latin. And so, uh, the Latin root of it is dura, which is hard. And so it's really just being able to endure hardship. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't have to be an athletic, uh, mindset, but I think for a lot of us. We just uh, have that endurance experience through athletics. 
And when I was a little kid, I remember being at my friend's house and his dad had come home and his dad had a bib number on and he had numbers on his arm. He'd just done a marathon. And I mean, I must have been four or five. And that visualization of, or, you know, that memory, that image of him coming home with that bib number, I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing. And so, you know, fast forward through 20 years and, and now I'm, I'm competing in endurance events and I'm putting on endurance events. I'm putting on running races. I'm putting on triathlons. Um, and so I think it's something that, you know, at a young age that made a big impression on me. And I think it's important to, to know that our actions, uh, things that we do have a, a bigger impact and will, you know, have a lasting impression on somebody else who we may or may not even know that we have that lasting impression. Um, and it's not even as if you're trying to or anything like that, but that image to me is something that still stands out in my mind today. And so that, that had a big impact on me as a kid. Um, the other thing that really, I think, kind of started my endurance mindset was I remember as a kid, my mom saying, you know, hey, grandpa was never afraid of doing hard work. Um, and so that, that never being afraid of doing hard work uh, is definitely a memory that has, uh, you know, and a, a sort of a mantra that stuck with me for, for years. Um, and I think something that's really, you know, kind of allowed me to be like, oh, okay, well, why should we be afraid of doing hard work? Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing hard work. And if you're approaching it with like not being afraid of it, then it's something where you sort of embrace it. And, and that's where the endurance mindset really comes in is embracing that hard work, embracing the, uh, the, the, the struggle, the challenge. I don't want to build up you know, this incredibly like, painful experience. It's not necessarily a painful experience. It's a doing hard work, continuing to put in the time, but continuing to put in the effort doesn't necessarily have to be painful um, as much as it is just being able and willing to put in the time and the effort to accomplishing something. And I appreciate how you started that by talking about how endurance doesn't have to necessarily be sports related. Um, and the question that came to mind was, can you give us an example of how your sports endurance and the things that you've learned from that how you applied that in other aspects of your life with your family, with your business, with other parts of your life? I got into um, really endurance sports uh, in college. So pre-college, I was playing soccer. Not that soccer is not an endurance sport, um, but it's more of a, I would, you know, it's a different sport than running or swimming or, you know, cycling or something like that. Um, and so in college, I got into rowing. And so my endurance mindset comes a lot out of rowing. And then I've gotten a chance to, to do some ocean rowing. And, and those are some really long uh, endurance rows. And, you know, one thing that's really made an impression on me is the, the sport of rowing. And so when you're rowing, you know, you're facing backwards. And so you're you don't really see where you're going. 
you see where you've been because you're looking at the, at the back of the boat and you see everything behind you. So to me, it's, it's turned into this sort of metaphor of life um, where you don't know what's in the future. You, you don't see the future. You, you have a good idea as to where your boat is headed and what direction you're going because you know, you're, you're moving your boat in that direction, but you don't really see what's in front of you. You see all your past mistakes or successes um, because they're behind you and you're literally watching what's behind you when you're rowing. And the only thing that you can really do is focus in on the present stroke, focus in on the current stroke that you're taking and trying to make that stroke the very best stroke that you can. And then you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it. And so for me, you know, that's really kind of, I think shaped a lot of who I am because I don't worry about what's in the future. You know, I, I know what path I'm going on. I, I know what direction I'm headed and I, I can continue to work to be moving in that direction, but I don't get caught up with, you know, oh, in 10 days, I'll be here or in five years, I'll be here. Um, I think it's something where I know what direction I'm heading. I know what I'm working towards. And then I'm focused in on the present and whatever happens in the present, I feel very confident to be able to sort of take on that challenge and be present and be focused on what I need to do for that stroke or, you know, what I need to do for today, what I need to do, you know, for right now to get me to make sure that I'm still heading in the right direction. Um, so I, I, you know, that's kind of, I think, something that really has made an impression on me. And it's, it's very sort of sports specific, but I think it's a good metaphor for, you know, how we can approach our lives, how we can, you know, go about our day-to-day -day business, know that we're heading in the right direction, but stay focused on the present. This, that's such a wonderful lesson. Um, I'm curious, when you were in college and you picked up, were you, did you pick up rowing in college or did you have some rowing experience and then kind of fell in love with it during college? Like, tell, us, tell us how all that worked out. Yeah, so I had zero rowing experience. Um, I, had, I, I ran track in college. I mean, ran track in high school. I played soccer. Um, I broke my leg senior year. And so I wasn't able to play soccer. Wasn't, I, I triple jumped. I wasn't able to triple jump. Um, so I went to college. I was kind of out of shape. Uh, I was looking for something to do. Uh, it was a division two school. So uh, the track team, you could actually just walk on and, and be on the track team. So I went out to the first day. Later that day, I was at the dining commons and the rowing team was there. And rowing is a club sport at UC Davis where I went to school. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a numbers game. The more people that are in the club, the more competition, the better, you know, the, the team can be because people are pushing each other. And so the, you know, the coach was there and he was like, oh, you're pretty tall. You know, you should come out for rowing and didn't have any idea what it was about. Uh, to be honest, you, you, you know, it's, if you can imagine showing up to college and the basketball coach being there and it's like, hey, you, you look pretty tall. You should come play basketball. And nobody knows how to dribble a ball. Nobody knows how to shoot. Nobody knows any of the rules. 
and you go out and you start playing basketball, it's going to be a, probably a miserable experience. And, and I think rowing was, was very much that miserable experience. You don't know what you're doing in a boat. It's moving extremely slow. The guy behind you is hitting you in the back with your oar, with his oar. Um, you, the boat's moving so slow. There, there wasn't really much that was fun about the sport until we kind of got a little bit into, into uh, later in the quarter where we started to learn and understand what was happening. Uh, and then it was that team aspect that really kept me involved for quite a while. Um, I enjoyed the guys who I was rowing with. I enjoyed people on the team, but I wasn't really having a lot of fun with the actual sport. And so two years of, of sort of uh, sticking with it, but not really knowing why I was sticking with it, uh, turned into by junior year, I loved it. And then uh, got into coaching afterwards and uh, sort of, uh, found ocean rowing, which was a, a perfect mix of endurance and rowing, which was kind of what I was most enjoying for a sport. And that was, you know, a perfect blend of everything for me. It's interesting. Our, our paths are similar. I dabbled in rowing in college, my freshman year, and it was a spring sport. And when we got to spring break, I had the choice of either doing two a days on the water or going to work and putting money in my pocket. And I chose to go to work because it was just, I didn't love it as much as some others. And, and that was the end of my rowing career. Um, you know, let, let's talk about ocean rowing. Um, find it for us that, that don't understand or I mean, conceptually I get what it is, but give me a little bit more detail of what ocean rowing is. How did you got introduced to it? And then we'll talk about some of these things that you've been accomplishing. Yeah. So, so imagine uh, being out in the middle of the ocean, you're in a 19 to 25 foot boat. Uh, it's a self-riding boat. So it will, if, if you get capsized, it will self-right. Um, as long as you have all the cabins closed, because that, Cabins kind of create this airtight pocket, and that's what really helps the boat self-right if, if it capsizes. Um, but basically, you're, you're totally self-sufficient. So the thing with ocean rowing is that once you leave land, you are 100% self-sufficient, or the goal is to be 100% self-sufficient until you touch land uh, wherever you're going. So that's you know no trailing support boat, no uh, resupply along the way. It's, it's something where... The goal is to be 100% self-sufficient. Um, I've been fortunate to get to do three ocean roads. So I've, I've crossed uh, from California to Hawaii as part of a team. I've rode from Norway up into the Arctic uh, as a team. And then I've also done a solo row from California to Hawaii. Uh, and, and the solo row was um, pretty amazing. I, you know, for me, I, I really sort of strive and or, or I excel, I guess, you know, for me, I'm very comfortable being uh, on my own mission, uh, being by myself, uh, being self-reliant. And, and that's something that, you know, I really, really enjoy that solo aspect of the ocean room. So walk us through that ocean row, California to Hawaii. I think it was 72 70 days. What's 
day one like? And then what's day 10 like? Kind of walk us through the journey and the the ups and downs, you know, literally, right, with, with ocean flows. But yeah. tell us some stories about the highs and lows of that of that journey. So for me, leaving land was such an incredible, freeing experience. I mean, you know, you've, you're putting, it's, it's like anything, you're putting all this work, you're putting all this preparation into achieving uh, or going after this goal. You know, you have this, this goal, you're visualizing what you're going to do, you're doing all this preparation. Preparation for my solo row was was by far kind of one of the big biggest things I've I've had to prepare for. I mean, I wanted to learn how to do boat repair. I wanted to learn how to do wiring. I wanted to learn all about my boat uh, as much as possible because once I left land, I was you know the only the only person out there that could fix something was me. So really, to be able to kind of prepare for that, I had to. I had to learn a, a ton of things around boat repair, around my boat, around the equipment, all those things. So that when I did leave land, um, I felt prepared. I felt like I was ready. I had all my tools, all, you know, all this toolbox of experiences that kind of set me in and relaxed me to know that whatever, you know, there's going to be crazy stuff that's coming my way. Um, but whatever it is, you know, I'm not going to worry about it because when it comes, I know that I have all the tools and the experience to be able to handle it. And so leaving land, it was just, I mean, you're, you're like rowing away from land and you're rowing away from your work responsibility. You're rowing away from just life responsibility. You're rowing away from your cell phone. You're rowing, rowing away from your emails and it was just like you have this Im immense ocean to cross, but you have this unlimited opportunity and limited possibilities in your future of what's going to, you know, what's going to come and what you're going to see and what you're going to experience. And so uh, that leaving land was just probably one of the most freeing experiences I've, I've ever encountered, which I loved. And then kind of, you know, going through that process. Things go, things, things get to go sideways pretty quickly when you're out on the ocean. And so, you know, the first day I left, we had a, a good weather window. Um, uh, I say we, because I had a, a land support team, uh, my partner, Betsy, and she basically was my land support, my social media support, my mental health support. She was kind of my everything support. So even though you're doing this solo, um, you also have a team around you. I had a medical uh, doctor who was supporting me as well. Uh, so, you know, I'm out there solo, but I'm out there as really a team. And I think that's an important uh, part of the journey. Um, and the important part of the trip is that, you know, I say solo, but it's really, you're surrounded by good people and a team. And so, uh, you know, really quickly things, things start to, to go crazy out there when the winds pick up, uh, the currents. Um, I mean, there were days where I would go to sleep and I would be drifting backwards and I would, you know, wake up and I'm eight miles behind where I started because I had drifted backwards. And then, you know, you 
you wake up and you gotta, it's like Groundhog's Day. I mean, you've got to do the, the same eight miles just to get back to where you started. And then, you know, you try to make some progress and then you go to sleep and you drift backwards. And it's, you know, it's really like two steps forward, one step back. And, you know, you just keep plugging away and you endure and it's hard and you're working every day. And, you know, your mindset has got to be, you know, uh, this is something that I chose to do. And uh, a big sort of mantra that I go through when I'm in these endurance events is it's not suffering if you chose to do it. And I think that mindset really, when you change your mindset, when you change the way that you're thinking about a situation, it really sets you up to get through it, to endure, to, 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 to move through it, you know? And so there are days where I'm suffering out there. It's miserable, but I, I don't, I don't look at the row and think, oh my gosh, I suffered so much. It was hard. It was miserable. I was hot. You're stuck in this little airtight cabin and it's 90 degrees out. Um, to me, it was just, it's not suffering. I chose to do this and I loved it. And I would put myself back in that situation in a heartbeat because to me, I, I, I love that feeling of being out in the middle of the ocean and you're going from point A to point B 100% on your own power. And, and that feeling is, is just incredible. And then, you know, you see whales, you see just these giant cumulus clouds come floating by at night when you're rowing underneath the full moon. I mean, the experiences were incredible um, when you're out there. And, and it's a lot of the same view over and over and over, but yet at the same time, you're so in tune with what's going on. You're in tune with when the wind direction changes. Um, you're in tune with when the waves start to pick up and which way they're coming. And I, you know, that comes down to that being present and being uh, aware of, of your presence and aware of what's going on in real time. And I think, you know, we, we often lose that on land because our house isn't going to blow five miles down the road when it gets windy and we can still get in our car and drive to work or we can get in our car and drive to the grocery store. Um, you know, so it's, it's something that we, we, we sort of lost a lot of touch with that presence of our nature and, and presence of our surrounding. And, and, you know, for me, being out on that ocean was really such a unique opportunity to, to be present. And that's something that, you know, I like to share because I think it's important that we you know, on land, try to be as present as possible. I try to notice when the, the leaves start, you know, moving and the wind starts to pick up and which direction it's coming from, even though it doesn't affect me in any way on land, I, I try to pay attention and I try to be present in, in what I'm doing, whether I just walk out the door and take a quick notice. Um, I think that's important that, that we try to connect a little bit with our surroundings and our environment. Yeah. I, I I see that as being grounded, right? It's like just being aware of the things and the energy around you. You know, I, when you're talking about this going to sleep and waking up being eight miles behind where you started, I could only imagine the paranoia 
and how difficult it must be to fall asleep knowing that when you wake up, you got to do half of that all over again. Um, talk to us, and it, it, somebody, that question that I lead into, you must have had a routine, uh, you know, another mantra, a discipline to say, okay, it's time to sleep. It's time for me to re- allow my body to recover. Talk to us about some of the routines you had while on, on the ocean doing this road, this journey, that allowed you to sustain the energy level, your excitement, those types of things. Yeah, it's interesting about the routine because when you're rowing as a, as a team boat, um, you're taking shifts. And so the, uh, our, you know, when I did California to Hawaii in 2016 as part of a four-person boat, we had two people rowing at all times. So the two people who are rowing uh, meant that the other two people were in the cabins eating and sleeping. And we did an hour and a half shifts. So two people rode for an hour and a half. When their shift was up, they got to get in the cabin. They got to eat and sleep. Two people in the cabin get out and they row for an hour and a half. And so it was an hour and a half on, hour and a half off, hour and a half on, hour and a half off, 24 hours a day for 39 days. So your routine is so set. It's so regimented. Um, it's incredible. And it, it, it was such a beautiful part of that row is being part of that team and being part of that regimen, being disciplined to, to, you know, get off your shift, take off all your wet clothes, put on something dry, eat, and then try to get 45, 50 minutes of sleep, wake up, put your wet clothes back on, jump out to relieve the guy who's on shift. Um, so that discipline and that routine was, was incredible. When you're, when you're solo, you don't have that. And that was the hardest part for me because, you know, as a team, when I go to sleep, boat's still moving in the right direction because two people are rowing as a team, you know, you might only have to spend an hour and a half in the storm and then you get an hour and a half to sleep during the storm. Uh, and so when you're solo, it's really hard to set up a routine that's that regimented because you're the only one who's moving. So if the currents are bad, I might row for six hours so that I don't get dragged backwards for very long. Um, or if the winds are really good, I might row for eight hours because I want to take advantage of the, of the winds. Uh, so it's something that was very hard to set a, a very regimen routine, but with that, you have still, you know, the daily, um, kind of necessities, right? You have to be able to eat, you have to be able to sleep and you have to be able to row. And so my shifts might be four hours on today, two hours off to sleep, three hours on two hours off, or it might be four and four. A lot of it just depended on what the weather was doing and what the current conditions were out there so that I could kind of take advantage when I needed to take advantage of something. And when uh, I had the opportunity to sleep for a little bit longer, I might sleep for a little bit longer. Uh, so it was, it was hard to get into a very regimented routine compared to what we were doing as a, as a, as a team boat. Um, but you know, some of the things that I, I tried to do was you know, you get off shift, you make your food, you eat your food, you take it, you take a nap, you, you try to get in a couple hours of sleep, and then you wake up and you could, you could let your whole day disappear if you're not 
root, if you're not sort of regimented and disciplined about getting your wet clothes back on, you know, okay, it's raining out right now. I don't want to go out right now. I'll dilly dally in the cabin and I'll take time putting on my socks and I'll, you know, not put on my jacket and I'll do something else. And next thing you know, an hour has gone by and your boat hasn't moved anywhere. So the, the discipline to kind of force yourself to say, Hey, I have to get back out there and row. Um, and I, I, I have my shoes that need to go on. I have my socks that need to go on. I have my wet clothes that need to go on. I have my jacket and my life jacket and those things all need to go on and I need to get that done. Um, so it's, 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 uh, discipline about being quick and, and being, uh, you, you know, disciplined about doing just the daily routine stuff that you need to do. You know, it comes to mind when you said that was my bad habit of, oh, let me just check my email. Oh, let me just do this. Oh, let me do that before I actually get into whatever the, the goal of the day is, or the, you know, the long bike ride or it's, it's very easy to invite these distractions into your life if you haven't gone through the discipline and the regimen of, okay, it's time to put my wet shoes on and get my life jacket on. So I can very much relate to those episodes that you were, you had when you know, you're looking out going, you know what, let me just dilly-dally a little bit longer. But then you never would reach your goal if you allowed that to overtake your life. Right. And, and that's that's... A great point because I think for a lot of us, it's once you once you get started, you know, like I know I've got a lot of work to do today, but let me check my phone. Let me check some emails. Let me let me see what what news is on. You know what what's on my feed. What news stories are popping up, and then and then you waste a certain amount of time. But if you once you get started and you actually open up your work email or you know you get into that mindset then you can work for, you know, and accomplish a lot of things, but it's that getting started that I think is the biggest challenge. And that, that uh, you know, relays into a lot of what I'm doing with the Mermaid series and organizing events and organizing events for women. I wanted uh, something that's very beginner friendly, uh, something that invites people and creates a, a very welcoming atmosphere because I know how hard it is to get started I know how difficult it is to put yourself out there and, and, you know, if I'm not training for anything, I don't have any motivation to just go for a run. Um, I mean, I, as much as I love running and I love the feeling after I run or being out on a trail, I love all that stuff. It's still very challenging for me to get started. Right. And so a lot of times it's having that vision, that goal that you're working towards that keeps you motivated to do the things that, that you love. Um, and I, th I think for me, I wanted to really uh, provide that atmosphere, provide that opportunity, that goal, that finish line for people to get started. And so I, I love being a very beginner friendly event series. I love it when people come out and they do their very first 5K. And, you know, for me, that's something that's so impressive. When somebody makes a lifestyle change and they come out and they walk a 5K or they jog a 5K, whatever it is, them crossing that finish line is, to me, more impressive than 
you know, crossing an ocean. Um, I, I, you know, it's just, it's, it's that change and that lifestyle. And once you get into it, I love seeing them, you know, then come back in the next year and do the 10 K and then come back and do the half marathon. Um, so it's, 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 I have a lot of fun being, being a race director and, and being, uh, uh, working in the, you know, sort of endurance, endurance, uh, industry. You're, you're hundred percent correct. Um, it is so inspiring seeing people take on those challenges, those opportunities, um, getting outside of their comfort zone. Uh, so thank you for organizing those events so that people can achieve things that they thought were unachievable. Um, talk to me about like how you got started with that, with your event series and where the inspiration came from and get into the details around what it does and how people can find it. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. So I had started um, competing in triathlon myself after college. Uh, you know, rowing is a very team oriented sport and it's a very water oriented sport. So if you don't live near a body of water that is somewhat flat to be able to row on, it's a very, you know, challenging thing to continue once you're outside of a college environment, um, unless you live right next to a rowing club or something like that. So I was kind of looking for a different outlet and that's where I got into running and biking. Uh, and so, you know, I'd gotten into doing triathlons and competing in triathlons myself. And I just, you know, as everybody does, it's a, it's a great sport. It's a lot of fun. Um, you kind of fall in love with all the training. You fall in love with having, you know, a long bike ride to get to go do and where you're off riding your bike and what you're seeing, you know, all those things were, were really enjoyable for me. And I loved the co competition aspect of it. I love showing up to the events. I loved uh, once the gun goes off, I loved competing, um, but I wasn't very, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm like all sort of hyped up in the equipment, hyped up in, you know, how I can improve with this somewhat lighter water bottle cage, right? I mean, to me, it was all about what you do in training, and then how you apply that in the race. And so I love just that aspect of being out there competing with people, but also just competing for yourself. And I got into putting on triathlons and all of that, they were co-ed triathlons. And then had the idea of putting on like a women's only triathlon. And that atmosphere at a first women's try uh, which was where the name mermaid came about because swimming, biking, running, all women, um, name mermaid made a lot of sense and just everybody, you know, there's people showing up on cruisers and there's people showing up on bikes that they borrowed from their neighbor and they, they don't even know how to ride. They don't know. I mean, I've been literally in transition, helping people change gears because they're not sure what these things do on their bike. And, and it's such a cool atmosphere. I mean, everybody's got these big smiles on their face. It's not about what equipment, what wetsuit. Uh, it's just about, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to enjoy this experience. And I'm going to feel like a million dollars when I cross the finish line. 
And so, you know, to me, that whole atmosphere at that first women's, at that first mermaid triathlon was kind of everything that I loved about triathlon. And I thought, wow, this is pretty neat niche. Um, and so then I started organizing more women's tries and then it was, how do we get, you know, more women into triathlon? Well, we'll put on a run and that run hopefully will then give them the inspiration to try a triathlon. And, you know, running for, you know, the women demographic has really, you know, sort of exploded over the, over the past 15, 20 years. And so our runs have just become more popular than our triathlon. And so now we've got um, five different runs and one triathlon in the series. Um, one of the runs is a trail run. And so, you know, it's trying to introduce women uh, especially beginner athletes into new environments. So whether it's, you know, coming out for a 5k and then doing a half marathon or doing a triathlon or going and doing a trail half marathon, you know, it's, it's something where I, I love providing that experience. And where are you, where are those races located? So predominantly in California, um, I've, I've got, uh, four events in the San Francisco Bay area one in San Diego, and then one up in Spokane, Washington. Uh, over the years, I've also had some of our mermaid runs in uh, Phoenix, and then also in Boulder, Colorado, but uh, no longer putting on the ones in, in Phoenix or Boulder. And then what's for the audience, what's the website that somebody wants to track down some information on that? Yeah, so the, the website is mermaidseries.com. Um, so mermaid and then series, like series of events, mermaidseries.com. Fantastic. And are there other series, you know, Midwest, East coast that you're familiar with that you also could share that have similar yeah. sort of backgrounds? So there, there are a couple, um, it's been, you know, there's, there's ones that have, have sort of popped up, you know, there was iron girl for a long time. There was Dan skins, um, there was She Rock, and and those larger ones have have all kind of over the years um, disappeared, and and so it's it's something that's really challenging. Uh, USA Triathlon has has been putting in some work about uh, a women's tri series and trying to put together information for all these different you know triathlons of, of throughout the country that are you know women focused. Uh, so that's probably one of the better places. Um, I don't know really any big series anymore that are, that are sort of out there. Um, but if you just, you know, most people Google women's triathlon, they're going to, they're going to find some. That's very helpful. And then Carlo, how do people get in touch with you? I, I mean, I, I do enjoy LinkedIn, um, because I, I like the sort of business aspect of, of LinkedIn. Uh, so that's always a great place. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, I'm not on there. Uh, I was on there a lot during the row because I wanted to share the, the row and share the experience. Uh, so if you went to, you know, Carlo Ficino for either Instagram or Facebook, I'm on there, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sort of very active on there um, outside of when I'm rowing. Uh, so email, uh, which is carlo at mermaidseries.com. That's also one of the better ways. So LinkedIn or, or email. Fantastic. And we'll put those links in our show notes. Um, well, last question, any big events you're training for at the moment or, or got your eye on? Yeah. So, so, um, you know, as you talked a little bit about it early on about impressions and things that get you started. 
I remember on a plane reading an article about this crazy 100 mile endurance run called Western States. Um, and so uh, Western States is a iconic 100 mile run here in California, starts um, in Olympic Valley over uh, up near Tahoe and it goes all the way to Auburn. Uh, and so it's, it's something that uh, I remember reading this article on an airplane in the little magazine that's you know in front of everybody's chair and I've, I've had this dream of doing it. Uh, but you have, to, you have to qualify and you have to do a hundred mile run to qualify for the lottery to then hope that your name gets picked. Uh, so it's a, it's a long process and I'm doing a hundred mile run in October, uh, the Havelina hundred out in Arizona. So that'll be, if I can finish that, then I qualify, get my name in the lottery and, uh, I've done it before, but my name didn't get picked in the lottery, but you still have to requalify every year. So, uh, trying to qualify again for, for hopefully 2024. Well, we'll keep your fingers crossed on, on that for sure. Um, Carlo, thank you for being a part of our show today. You know, I loved how we kicked off our podcast talking about visualization and goal setting. And then you share with us some, some, and you just mentioned it again, some lasting impressions that you had as a child and, and giving us some insights to who we leave impressions to. And we might not know who and how we're influencing others' lives, but we should be living in the present so that we are kind of ready to have impressions on other people's lives. And then ultimately, I love your your mantra. If, it's not suffering if you choose to do it. It's a, a huge takeaway for me. Um, it's so, so true. But, you know, thank you again for, for being on the show. For the audience members, if you got some value out of this, please share these stories with your friends and family and your social media platforms. Subscribe to our channel. Um, we love having guests like Carlo on our show because of, of the inspiration that he provides and the stories and the influence he's having with his mermaid series. I can go on and on Carlo, but again, thank you for your time and your energy today. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Loved it. So thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to the chief endurance officer podcast to hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset. Be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chief endurance Until next time, keep pushing those limits.